Welcome to The Source from the ATA, conversations about telehealth and virtual care from the thought leaders, experts, and visionaries who are working to change the way the world thinks about healthcare. It's no surprise to ATA Source listeners that virtual care has become a core component of consumer clinician engagement. According to Forrester Research, 41% of U.S. online adults have had a remote primary care visit, with the rate of adoption nearly doubling since March of 2020. In their Virtual Care Platforms for Digital Health report from the first quarter of 2021, Forrester recommends seeking out virtual care partners who demonstrate customer obsession, focus on inclusive design, and flex to fit existing workflows and move quickly. All of those topics deserve some further exploration. So this week, we're turning to the company named in that Forrester Wave report as the solo leader for virtual care and digital health. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and our guest today is Brett Larson, the CEO and founder of Phoenix-based eVisit. We're going to dig into some of the things that brought eVisit to the top of the Forrester Wave list and talk about how, at the end of the day, success in virtual care is about creating an impeccable consumer experience. Brett, thanks so much for joining us today on the Source Podcast. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. I am excited to have this conversation, and uh, through the course of it, I'm going to be referencing some information that comes out of a recent Forrester report that's really interesting, and I want to dive into it with you. But before we go there, I would really love to paint a little background for you. Where did you come from, and how is it that you wound up starting eVisit in 2014? Great question. So my background is in accounting and marketing out of Arizona State University. I started and sold my first business during my undergrad there. And coming out of selling that, just after my senior year, I knew I wanted to do it again and ended up taking a position with a health tech startup in Scottsdale called Stat Doctors. And I I joined as their marketing manager. I was tasked with driving member, member awareness across the health plans that we were selling into. The Stat Doctors model was the exact same business model as Teladoc. In fact, ended up getting acquired by Teladoc in July of 2015, just as they were going public after my time. But it occurred to me as I spent time there that what was happening in the transportation industry with Uber and the noise that was beginning to occur from the taxi cab industry and what Uber was doing to their business would eventually occur at scale with what Teladoc was doing. That what Teladoc was actually doing was going after the low acuity minor medical conditions through the member base with with really good intentions, by the way, but I felt like disconnecting doctors from their patients and patients from their physicians with whom they had relationships would actually result in adverse outcomes for patients in the long run. And I thought, you know, what would have happened for the taxi cab industry if they had had a technology that could have competed with Uber? Um, and what would it look like for health systems if they had something to compete with, with the Uberization of care, for lack of a better term? And, uh, and so that was really a genesis of, of, of where visit was born out of, was, was an idea that the best quality care comes from geographically relevant providers and how would we support locally relevant healthcare in the transition of, of digital health? Yeah, that is, it's a really interesting distinction that you raise and one that we don't hear often, I think, in the telehealth space, but I want to talk a little bit about why that's important. And so... One of the things that we have seen over the course of the last year is that as COVID-19 came onto the scene, we saw an explosion in video visits. So 
the the telehealth industry has has certainly been boosted uh, and video visits have become a part of the mainstream. But you're raising the point that it's important to distinguish a video visit from true virtual care. Can you help us understand what the difference is and why that difference is important? Absolutely. At, at the core, you know, I think there's there's really, um, we've heard a lot from health system CIOs that they're they're recognizing the difference between two a video and virtual care. And if you look at the the process that is required to deliver care via two a video, whether it be Zoom or Teams or Hangouts or FaceTime for that matter, it requires you know anywhere up to eight users on the health system side, three plus technology interfaces, seven seven or more steps across those eight users, and ultimately results in in a really like just hundreds of clicks and, and low gross margin, um, about 33% gross margin, not including facility fees and other CapEx considerations. Whereas when you look at a true end-to-end virtual care solution, it is, it's a consumer-facing application. It's not, it's not opening up you know, a two-way video solution and trying to navigate and call. It, it, is, it requires one, maybe two people from the health system side one interface fully integrated with the full with the full EHR solution, three simple steps around intake, notifying a provider, and then diagnosis and treatment, and ultimately at the end of the day ends up in a lot more efficiency, capacity, and bandwidth, which ends up with about seventy five percent gross margins. Uh, not again, not including capex and, and those other fees. And uh, really, you know, I'll highlight one thing: we talk about the the impact that the pandemic has had on virtual care or telemedicine. I, I believe that it's made consumers aware. And so by that, by that nature, it's accelerated the awareness of telemedicine. What I actually believe it's really done is accelerated the consumerization of healthcare. Because as consumers, we were now faced with, with the question of where do I receive care when it's not safe or we don't feel safe being there in person. And it forced us to look for other options and ultimately decide what's a better experience. And so if you look at what we're doing at eVisit is we're really help, trying to help health systems craft an excellent consumer experience and drive towards better patient outcomes because of that. So tell me a little bit about the consumer experience in a virtual care scenario. Well, obviously, we know with video visits, it does, it, it improves things like, you know, people that have difficulty leaving the home, whether it's for disability or lack of transportation. It enables us to avoid places where you know infection may occur, but that's just video visits. How does the how does this concept of virtual care benefit the patient's experience and outcomes? Yeah, if you if you I'll, let me walk you tactically through both of those experiences because I think there's a pretty yeah. juxtaposition of of what that looks and feels like. So as a patient, if I if I need care and I contact my local health system or or physician. Uh, you know, I've got a call in, I, I'm, that call is routed to an administrator who ends up taking my call and we go back and forth on scheduling and availability. You know, they're, they're, they end up putting me on their schedule, which may be the average wait time to get in to see your primary care doctor nationally in the United States is about 20.3 days. It, it may be more or less than that, but I'm waiting that amount of time before my visit actually occurs at the day and time of my visit. I get a phone call usually from the IT group. Uh, letting me know that, you know, here's, we're going to use Zoom, we're going to use Teams, we're going to use whatever it might be. I have to go and download that depending on how technologically savvy 
I am as a consumer, I may need assistance doing that. I may not, but nonetheless, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I have to go to the website. I have to download it. I have to set it up. I have to make sure I have a video and a microphone. And, and then I get called by billing who collects my insurance and my credit card. They're running and adjudicating that information. Uh, and then usually I'm sitting on a webcam for a few minutes before a nurse practitioner shows up, they show up, they do some initial intake questionnaires. Then I'm back waiting in front of my computer for the physician um, to come and diagnose and treat. On the back end, there's a whole slew of, of items that the health system or the physician's office is trying to navigate to get everything pulled together. Mm-hmm. If you compare that with a true end-to-end virtual care solution like eVisit, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mobile application or accessible via web browser. You can click a link on a website, be taken there, create an account, all of your information from the EHR that already exists because you're a patient comes over. You confirm that information or edit that information as needed if there are new new things you're experiencing or illnesses you've you've had to make the physician aware. You can either request a visit on demand or scheduled, depending on uh, seeing the full availability of, of that are open to you as a patient, depending on how the health system wants it configured. And once I've selected that, the physician's notified at the time of visit. I'm notified. I click a button. I'm in the I'm in the exam room waiting. The physician comes. They review my chart. Click start visit, and then you know it's eight to twelve minutes of the physician's time where they're you know diagnosing and treating me, and they send my prescription to the pharmacy electronically that's ready to pick up in about fifteen minutes. All in, you know, a virtual care platform takes about 90, 90 seconds to you know, let's call it three minutes of a patient's time to intake and get into that exam room. Mm-hmm. And then about eight to 12 minutes of the physician's time between visit charting and diagnosis. Whereas the, the opposite is it's a significant time investment, not just from the physician, but from all the other stakeholders in the value chain. You're, you're hitting on something that I think is really important too, which is the workflow that's happening in the physician's office or the hospital or whoever the user of the solution is. And it feels like every hospital, every physician practice is going to have a little bit different workflow, right? There's there are no two that are exactly the same. I'm curious about how important that becomes in terms of uh, being able to be flexible uh, to, to fit the, the, the workflow that's there as opposed to, I know that there are a lot of solutions out there that you know come in with a fairly rigid structure. Uh, tell tell me a little bit about the workflow and, and how important that is in making a solution as seamless as what you describe. I think a great an- analogy here is as you look at what what we've done in business is if you think about what Marketo has done for enterprise communications, depending on how you interact with corporate websites or or request information forms. There's, there's entire campaigns that we as consumers, whether we're business consumers or, or individual consumers, an experience that's delivered to us to help um, engage and educate and lead us to a desired outcome. It's the same analog in healthcare where you know what the customers we're selling to are delivering highly complex services on a, a one-on-one basis. And the way that a dermatologist delivers care is very different than the way that an ortho- orthopedic surgeon or an oncologist or, you know, a primary care physician deliver care. And so as we look at serving health systems, the need to create 
you know, varied intake forms that ask different questions depending on the specialty that's coming in, whether or not the, the patient has direct access to schedule their own visits or request a visit on demand, or whether the patient or whether the patient needs to be invited by an administrator from a referral from like an entry point, whether or not, you know, the, the provider wants to chart with soap notes or half notes. Um, I mean, if you think about every, the way we built the platform, we ended up spending We've spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours in clinic watching providers deliver care to make sure that we understand every single step that both a provider and a patient have to go through to get to care uh, and to deliver care. And so those points of configuration are meaningful um, because each of these businesses are unique. They, they can be you know, a primary care office in, in Phoenix um, may or may not have different delivery mechanisms or considerations than, than one in Florida. And so we just learned early on, we, we closed one of the largest health systems in the country very, very early on. Um, and we learned early on that they had unique needs across specialties within their own, within their own business. And it, it forced us to take a hard look at how we were delivering for them and, and make adjustments to make sure that we could consistently provide those, those configurable experiences based on the needs. And actually, the, you raise a really interesting point here because what we're talking about is essentially being able to align workflow between the healthcare provider and their virtual care solution. I'm also really curious about alignment of vision, alignment of culture. It's one of the things that you call out uh, as a differentiator for eVisit. Talk to us a little bit about why that kind of alignment is so important uh, as those partnerships are coming together. For us, we, I think so often you go to start a business and you, you are a vendor. And while we recognize that eVisit is in a vendor position, we are most successful relationships with customers are, are a partnership. We, you know, when we're in the sales process, it's not, we're not selling widgets. We're actually selling the vision. We're selling, you know, even as it exists to simplify healthcare delivery to everyone, everywhere, we don't employ providers. And so we cannot do that. We can only enable it. And so we see health systems as a key partner in that equation. And, you know, so when we come to the table, you know, it's helping to connect the dots around you exist you know, the thing we love about healthcare is it's so mission driven. You know, very few of us get into healthcare because for any other reason other than to help improve the world. And so when we when we're in those relationships and talking through those partnerships, it is about aligning that vision and how under helping them understand like how do we help you accomplish your end goals and ultimately how do you fit into the equation of us achieving that vision of of simplifying healthcare delivery. It's, it's, it's pretty, when it, when it works, it's pretty magical. Uh, sometimes we, we, we're, we're, we're just asked to be a vendor um, and we can do that, but, but we find that the, the best partnerships are just that, partnerships, right? So in, in addition to all of that, one of the things that we do from the very get-go is work to establish the strategy, right? Our sales process, if you want to call it that, is, is designed to fill in the gaps that we see most health systems have or, or have questions around as they go to build the operational plan around, around launching a virtual care strategy. And so, you know, it, it ends up being about eight meetings with key stakeholders in the organization. It's, it's a, it's a PWC McKinsey level engagement that's mm -hmm. accelerated 
where we spend time strategically to say, hey, what's the experience you're really looking to craft? Here's what best in class is doing. Here's where you're at. Here's the gap. Here's how we can help you fill it. But the end result, and, and again, if you look back at our at our vision to simplify healthcare delivery to everyone everywhere, it's to enable. And so the end result may be that you decide, even as it's not the partner you want to or you're going to work with, but the strategy is sound regardless. And while we don't want you to go work with another partner, we want to work with you. The asset that comes out of that work is applicable regardless regardless. You know, we, there are things that eVisit can do that other platforms struggle with, but but it really is about helping them achieve their end goal. And without sitting down and really building that roadmap on the front end, it's we, we, we see a very difficult path to getting there. Yep. And I think you hit on, an, on another important thing here. I know that there's been a tremendous amount of effort spent uh, over the last year, especially by telehealth companies in terms of building a roster of physicians, you know, who are licensed in multiple states. And so they can go to a potential customer and say, hey, I've got, you know, X thousand physicians uh, already on board and uh, they're essentially bringing the doctors to the table. That's not a part of what you're doing. Tell me a little bit about why that, uh, why you've taken the approach that you have. You mentioned in your introduction that regional and local care is actually important and relevant. Let's explore that a little bit more deeply. Yeah, so I'm I'm a firm believer. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, that the best care comes from providers who have a relationship with their patients, whether that be a health system that has that has a, a relationship with a patient or an individual provider. Um, geographically relevant physicians and MAs and you know care providers know the market, they know the issues, they know the demographics, they they understand things at a different level. When a referral needs to be made, it's not a hey, go talk to your primary care doctor. It's a hey, I'm gonna connect you with this specialist who I'm probably know personally. And, and there's there, a big difference happens when, when there's that level of trust. I think at the core, if you look at these national provider networks, their core business model is to serve the health plan with the physician mm-hmm. network. And one of the things early on that was highlighted for me with, in a conversation with an early customer, large health system was, you know, hey, because uh, I, had, I had the question, we were up, we were in a, in, in a competitive sales situation with some very large national provider networks. And I'm a fairly curious person. So when we, when we won the contract, I called the person leading the effort and I said, just, Hey, you know, no one gets fired for buying IBM. You know, that you didn't, um, they knew enough about you to know we were six people getting free space from another startup here in Phoenix. You know, this is seven years ago. And I said, I, I've got to know why you visit. If you'd wanted IBM, you would have chose Teladoc or Amwell. And, and this is nothing against their businesses. I think, I think they have worthy missions and they're, work, they're working to do good. And I think they are. But he said, look, go read Teladoc's 10K. They had just gone public. He said every, you know, in the very first paragraph, they define themselves as a healthcare provider network. He said, what do you think we do? And I said, you're a health system. He said, that's all a health system is, is a, is a healthcare provider network organized into specific specialties designed to capture more patient dollars from cradle to grave and to serve the community. He said, every dollar I invest in Teladoc's software or American Wells software is a dollar that goes onto their balance sheet, which goes to driving their core business, which is the health plan product that serves those health plan members who are my patients. 
And so my dollars invested in that software are going to acquire my patients out of my primary and urgent care locations. And I'm not in the business of funding my competition. And I think that's really the key. You know, I, I'm not opposed to leveraging physician networks. Most health systems do through a locums or, you know, to, to help staff emergency rooms. But sure. those doctors are there. They, they know the geography. They understand the patient mix. They understand how, how care needs to be delivered. They understand the ecosystem that, that revolves around them. What I, where I think things start to fall apart is when, you, when, you, when, a, when uh, physicians are being connected with patients where there's no relationship and there's no intention of relationship, it, it, it's much more transactional. Interesting. And that also connects back to the dialogue we were having about the difference between a video visit and virtual care, right? In a virtual care scenario, there's an understanding uh, that you're in a relationship that goes beyond the 11 minutes uh, that you spend together on a call. Yeah. Well, and, and really, if you look at where we're focused is today, we call it virtual care. In the next three to five years, it's just going to be care, right? The, the, the virtual component is just another delivery mechanism that exists along the continuum of opportunity, whether it be an asynchronous interaction, a synchronous interaction, or a physical interaction, like in person, it's just care. And, and the best quality care comes from health providers who exist down the street from us. I, I love that. And you actually, you you're taking us out in a perfect way here, Brett. I wanted to talk a little bit about the future. Obviously, this has been a transformative year for many in the telehealth space. You've already given us an example of what you see in the future about virtual care just becoming care. What other things should we look for as we think about the future of virtual care uh, in its evolution? I think one of the key trends that we're seeing and one of the key questions that health systems are asking themselves is, how do we transition care to home? Mm. That's not that's not a result of the pandemic. That's that's a result of the key fundamental business model in healthcare. I mean, there it's very difficult to run a business. On average, we're seeing about one point seven percent gross operating margins in health systems. And so the key question is, how how do we improve business? How do we improve efficiency, capacity, care, like quality of care? And so um, as you look at that. I'll go back to where I started, which was what I think the pandemic actually accelerated was health was the consumerization of healthcare. And so as you look at where eVisit's positioned, where we're headed is really helping health systems craft a impeccable consumer experience. We get a lot of questions around why EHRs aren't going to take this market. And I'm a firm believer it's because the people who buy the EHRs, the only reason they buy them is because they don't have to use them. They don't actually use them. And that's not, again, I think there's worthy causes for those, but the consumers will go to the most simple, pleasant experience. Mm. And even it's really sitting in a position where we want to help health systems craft very pleasant consumer experiences and call them their own. So most consumers will never know they're using eVisit. They'll think it's, you know, white labeled and branded. They'll think it's Banner Health Solution or Texas Health Solution or it's, yep. it's really about how do we help craft that? And, and what comes around that is, you know, remote patient monitoring and, you know, care automation and things that can really help deliver a more consistent, repeatable experience um, on behalf of our health system partners. Fantastic. Brett, thank you so much for being with us today on The Source. It's been a wonderful conversation. We're going to be posting information about uh, eVisit and your personal contact information 
including home address and phone number? No, not really. <laughs> we'll be posting information on how people who are interested in learning more about eVisit can do that in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to pull off to the side of the road today. You can check the show notes uh, as soon as you get to your destination and get in touch with Brett and his team at eVisit. Thank you so much. 